Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27th, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Hi, welcome to North Star Big Book. I am Carly Recovered Alcoholic, and I am thrilled to be doing my series where I get to interview other big book lovers all over the globe. And I have today on, introduce yourself. I'm Mary, alcoholic. Hi, Mary. And what's your sobriety date? Sobriety date is January 12th, 2017. And where are you currently residing? Living in Palm Springs, California. And... I know Mary because we shared a home group and we share a home group because you never get to be rid of our home group. Um, and she moved to California. And I got to tell you, one of the beautiful gifts about sobriety is creating an army of women that are working the exact same solution. Um, and that I can count on to pass other women to. And Mary is one of those people. And when she left, I was like, no, but the cool thing, about sobriety and 2020 technology and now COVID is we can help each other. It doesn't matter where we are. And I remember being in the car, getting off a plane in DC, having someone that needed help, texting Mary, can you help this woman? And she's like, yeah, of course. And like, that's who you are. And I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Tell me what pages we're going to be studying. So I wanted to talk about Bill's story, um, specifically pages nine and then page 12 and okay before we get into it i want to ask you a couple questions number one why on earth as a beautiful strong woman do you want to talk about bill's story and i'm not being facetious i just want to know and two what about this area of the book really connected you so very good questions um bill's story is pretty controversial i think when you when you first start when i first started going through the book by myself, I completely skipped over this story because it's a man from, and this was written in the 1930s. Yep. And I just thought, you know, what am I going to have in common with this? Exactly. With this old dude. Yeah. So. Um, and what did you find you read in common? Book um, by my sponsor and through many um, different book studies, I was taught that Bill's story and everybody's story in AA has nothing, it has nothing to do with what they went through, their circumstances, where they live, their age, their gender. Um, If they went to jail, if they didn't go to jail, if they lost their job, if they didn't, it's what is important to focus on is the feelings that they have. And that's what's so relatable with Bill's stories. I relate to every single feeling that he went through and is in his alcoholism. There's no story in the book that makes me as uncomfortable as Bill's story. Every time we read it and go through it, and you're doing that right now at our home group, Mm -hmm. um, you're taking the group through Bill's story, which is so awesome. Um, I feel uncomfortable when I read it and listen to it because he describes the progression of the disease, the lie-based disease, in a way that it it hits like a nerve. It's like if you're in the dentist's office, something's wrong, and then they find the spot, Bill does that. So take us, where are we starting? So I wanted to start on page nine. Awesome. This is my favorite part of the book, actually, is in Bill's story. It's when 
Bill is like, he's just gone through all of this alcoholic insanity of drinking, stopping, drinking, stopping, relapsing. And he has no idea why he keeps picking up. He, Can I pause you for a second? What yeah. you just shared about alcoholic insanity, drinking, stopping, drinking, stopping, that is what alcoholism is. Mm. Alcoholism is not how long you drink, how often you drink, and how much you drink. It is the periods of sobriety, with air quotes, in between the periods of non-sobriety, and what happens to our mind and what happens to our body when we try to not drink. And that is what's so uncomfortable because if the problem was just alcohol, you have to just stop drinking, but that's not our problem. So keep going. Yeah. So, um, he's going through this alcoholic insanity. He's having all these insidious thoughts where they just come in. That's his mental obsession telling him to pick up. He's completely beaten down by alcohol and he's wondering how he's going to make it through the next day. And if he's going to have enough alcohol to survive the next 24 hours, which is so relatable. Um, and then he gets a call from his old friend, Ebby, and it says on page, at the top of page nine in squiggly writings, so you know, it's important. It says he was sober mm. and you can just tell by the way it's written that Bill is just incredulous in the next sentence. Will you give a background to the listener about the connection between Ebby and Bill? Like, who are they? Um, well, Bill is the founder of AA. He like pretty much wrote the, wrote this book. Um, and then but who was Abby to Bill? Abby is like his old, his old drinking buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it. you've got that person. You can think of them right now. Like he, what Bill is saying is my old drinking buddy's coming. I'm finally going to have a minute of relief from this misery of my life. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see him. Oh, I heard he went to treatment basically. That's like in our times. It's like, I can't, I can't believe Mary went to treatment. You know what I would do when I found out someone went to treatment is my job that night was to get them as high and drunk as humanly possible on my dime because right. I was so threatened by anyone coming back into our fold that was now sober and mm -hmm. I did not want to have anything. So he was excited. Like they're going to drink and they're going to have fun. Yeah. And later on, even Bill's like, well, I heard he was sober, but that's okay. We'll still right. get drunk together. Right. He doesn't care at all. Yeah. It's the selfishness of, mm -hmm. his, of his alcoholism. Um, so yeah, he's like pushing a drink to Abby and he refused it. And this paragraph where it starts, the door opened and he stood there, fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had gotten into the fellow. He wasn't himself. So pause for a second. Yeah. What you just read about his eyes, about being inexplicably different, about he wasn't himself, they're, they're talking about change. And when you see someone that you used to party with and then you see them clear eyed and totally different, you see the change. And one of the things I always share is you should see a different person. Like it's not just being sober. If you run into me and you haven't seen me in a long time, I should look different. People would be like, your skin looks so good. And I'm like, it's my steps. Like I just put them all over my face. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, this, and this paragraph is so important to me because it talks to the promises that we receive, that I received when I did the work. I became a different person and mm -hmm. it, I had life in my eyes again. And, and when I first came into the rooms 
time after time when I would come back, everyone was always so happy. Well, the people that were doing the work were so happy and joyous and free and they had life in their eyes. And I wanted that so badly. What was and so cool about you, Mary, is like you were one of the people that I had the privilege of watching mm -hmm. the light turn on. And we would be at our meeting, you would come to the big book study and then you would stay after for the eight o'clock meeting. And then you would start commenting about like step solution. And Kevin and I would look at each other and be like, what the hell happened to Mary? Like who's taking over Mary? And we're like, she's got it. She's got it. And you did, you just, at, we saw it. You were going through a struggle and then you just clicked. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. around three years ago, like that you really started clicking. Yeah. Um, Cause I had been in and out of the program for a couple of years trying to get sober. And I kept wondering, why can't I do this? And it was like, like Bill's story, he keeps going back and forth and he doesn't understand what's going on. He thinks he's crazy. And I just got to a point where I was so desperate, so deep in the depths of my alcoholism that I was, that I was open to this program. And I was like, I will do anything to feel alive again. And that's yeah. this, this paragraph where it's like, there's something in his eyes. His eyes are glowing. He's fresh skinned. I'm like, I want that. Yep. So bad. So, so that's the, the part on page nine that I love. And okay, then where are we going next? Page, uh, page 12. Okay. Where they talk about, where Bill talks about, he's have all, he's having all these struggles wrapping his mind around like believing in a power greater than himself. And he had all these prejudices growing up with religion and he doesn't know he's like, Abby's kind of crazy cause he's so religious now. And I don't know that I can be like that. And then on in the middle of page 12, it says my friend suggested that what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And again, it's in squiggly writing. So it's important. And Can I just pause you for a second? Yes. The reason why he said this was because Bill was arguing with him about mm -hmm. God. He was trying to be philosophical and be like, well, how come there's not this? And what about this? And Abby threw up his hands and was like, just choose your own conception. Right. That was the sentence which came out of frustration, which changed everything for our sobriety. Because if we had to follow the conception that one person laid in front of us, a lot of us wouldn't make it. Yeah, for sure. And when I, when I think about this, yeah. line, I think about, because I had my own prejudices. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic yeah. high school. Um, my God growing up was very much, you were, you feared him and it was a guy, you know, it was him, yeah. capital H him. Right. And you didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. And that kind of God <laughs> didn't work for me. I don't so know why. I, when, I came, right, <laughs> when I came to this program, I was like, oh, no, it's like God-based. Right. And I was having a hard time believing in anything really at, the, at that time. But what really helped me was when somebody said, well, didn't you worship alcohol? I'm like, yeah, wait, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> My whole life was built around alcohol. And I, I believe that. It was, my, it was my solution to everything. I also worship my own thinking. I knew that I could always figure out my next move. And they're like, take that ability to worship alcohol and your own thinking and apply it to something that is different than that. And the idea that what was given to me as a gift when I first got sober was, what do you need God to be? Right. 
and so let go of the God that is not working for you. What would you need? If you could design, you know, design your own God app, what would you actually need it to be? And for me, I needed courage because I, I wasn't going to be drinking. I didn't know how to breathe. And so that's where we started. God and I started with God's like, I'll give you courage and you do the work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What did yeah. you need God to be in the beginning? Um, that's a good question. For me in the beginning, my higher power was definitely the women in the rooms and just believing that they had something and I wanted it. So I was just clinging on to whatever was working for them. Yeah. I was trying to get that to work for me. Which is step two, because in order for you to come to believe, you have to come to, you have to come to meetings. You have to keep showing up, even if you don't believe, because you don't have to have a real relationship with God until step 10. So you can just fake it till you make it from two to 10. Yeah, exactly. And later on, well, the next paragraph, it says all this, there's all this like squiggly writing, two sentences. It says, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. And I love that because for me, it was about willingness. Like I said before, just being so broken down that I don't, you can tell me to believe in like the, in the Indians mascot and I'll believe in it, the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> like that will be my God. I don't care. I just want to stop this. Like, yeah. I'm miserable. I can't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anywhere else you want to go? Um, let's see. I think, um, well, I like on page 14. Let's do it. Where are we going to go on 14? Um, in the middle of the page, it says, this is where um, he's talking to his doctor and he's saying, but you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. Because he just shared with Dr. Silkworth how he's changing. And he's gone to Dr. Silkworth, who is an alcohol and drug addiction counselor, who literally is in the middle of psychiatric hospitals in the stream of addiction and sees Bill, who he treated, who could not get sober. And Bill comes in all excited, like, hey, I got this great idea. And Silkworth says, you better hang on to this. Yeah, anything is better than the way you were. And then he says, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came, and this is just like, you know, a God, probably a God conscious. Right, because you know Bill, and Bill did not think about anything but making money. Right, exactly. (laughs) And what was best for him. Yeah, so this is like the spiritual awakening sort of beginning a little bit, very, very early on. The thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. And this is like the crux of the program, I feel like. This is the entire program. You have to clean house, trust God, and then help others. And he's saying, I mean, you you and I know from reading Bill's story so many times, Bill, this is not Bill. Mm -hmm. This is a changed Bill. Because Bill, considering that there's thousands of people that can be helped, and he then went for six months and tried to help people and got zero people to come with him. Zero. We get upset if like one person rejects us, right? He got zero. And he was going into bars and nightclubs. And he had to figure out how to change the way he was approaching them. And then he met Dr. Bob. And him and Dr. Bob sat down together. And they were only going to do it for like 15 minutes because Dr. Bob didn't want to sit down with Bill because who is this guy? 
but he was in trouble with his wife for being drunk on Mother's Day. And so they sat down and for hours and hours and hours, a connection grew. Could you imagine, Mary, even with, if we had all the capabilities of 2020, social media, digital, which they had none of, right? podcasts, all this stuff. If me and you said, let's start this movement where we help other alcoholics and let's create a fellowship of over 2 million worldwide, if our lives depended on it, we could not do it, but yeah. they did it without anything. So that is why I know it was divinely invented. And, you yeah, know. definitely. Is there yeah. anything else you want to do? Or you? Um, just one more on page 16. Awesome. Let's do it. He talks about, it's the second to last paragraph. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or so we, or we perish. And this I love because, well, this is a promise. It talks about the fellowship and finding a fellowship that you really can connect with and have fun with and enjoy because if you're miserable and Alcoholics Anonymous, there's something wrong. Right. It's on you. It's your responsibility, right? Right. But they say really clearly, which I love, they do this a lot in Bill's story, that if you don't do it 24 hours a day, we perish. So that's right. a, perish means die. So that's mm-hmm. like a pretty big deal because like, I don't really want to die today. So I, what the book is telling me is that I can't just believe. I have to work. Right. You can't yeah. just believe. It's, you will not get the results you want if you just pray. You have to go out there and help other people. Yeah. The daily program do. of daily program of action 10 11 and 12 10 11 12 or die is what we say i'm so grateful uh, for the pandemic because we get to have you again and like i you know we're t- we're forced to find gifts in hard things and one mm-hmm. of the gifts i found is because of this pandemic in a virtuality we get to connect with all these people i get to go to meetings all over the world like it is so cool yeah i love yeah. you love you too thanks for being my army of course Thank have a wonderful you. day Mwah. Mwah. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.